0: Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy. Grilling outdoors is one of the pleasures of the summer. But while you're cooking over coals, do you ever consider where the practice originated or how Indigenous cultures have shaped it to suit different needs and available ingredients? Barbecue, as it's become known, was highly developed by the time Europeans landed, and Indigenous people have continued to perfect it all along. Today we'll hear about the epicenter of barbecue and some of the ways it's evolved over time. We're right back after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The U.S. Commission on Civil Rights and the Commission's South Dakota Advisory Committee have been at work probing voter access in the state. South Dakota Public Broadcasting's C.J. Keene has more on the report that found voter access gaps, particularly on reservations.
2: The bipartisan 11-member commission has spent the last two years questioning the state's voting access from a civil rights perspective. Travis Letler is an economist and the chair of the State Advisory Committee. He says, after careful consideration, they have an answer.
3: Sometimes, if you live on a tribal area or you live on a reservation, your local polling place might be a county seat that might be prohibitively far to drive to vote. And then, when you try to maybe do a an early vote, what if you have a non-standard address where you might again live on a tribal land where you don't actually have a post office.
2: Difficulty with voter ID regulations proves not every access challenge is geographic in nature.
3: One of the recommendations that the committee said was, what if the South Dakota Secretary of State published a simple one-page infographic that could go out to county auditor's office polling locations that was just showing up to vote, question mark? Here's what you need to bring. Don't have an ID, question mark? That's okay. Here's what you do. It might cost a little bit of money to print them off, but the gain to the average voter outweighs the cost of printing a, an infographic.
2: These recommendations aren't legally binding. Federal civil rights analyst Mallory Trachtenberg says these findings will now be shared with lawmakers and federal officials. But that doesn't mean the end of the discussion.
1: They're emotionally charged topics. Um, you know, civil rights is is really challenging to continue to have a conversation about these days. And I will highlight that, you know, people could walk away from these conversations, but continue to have those conversations. It can be really painful, um, but the fact that they're still here and so many active committees doing this, um, it's it's pretty impressive.
2: Every state and territory in the country has a similar advisory committee to the U.S. Civil Rights Commission. For National Native News in Rapid City, I'm CJ Keene.
1: It's called Weaving Our Pride, a year long blanket weaving project in Juneau, Alaska, to celebrate the LGBTQ community, led by master clinket weaver Lily Hope. Hope says the project gives youth of all identities and supportive adults a chance to sit side by side to create a shared work celebrating pride, community, and self. Over the next year, a team of six weavers will spend several days a week at the Zach Gordon Youth Center assisting in making two blankets, one in the traditional raven's tail style and the other in the more modern Chilcat style. We're going to do bands of rainbow color and do a follow the leader kind of deal. So the mentor weaver will weave one row and the student will come behind and weave exactly the same row. Anyway, it's going to be pretty epic. Next summer, dancers will wear them for the first time at Celebration, a biennial Southeast Native Dance Festival held in June. You know, after celebration, the robes will remain at the youth center and be worn for special ceremonies that include new names and coming out parties, as well as significant pride events. Only young people can wear them. The cool thing is that three of these six mentor weavers identify as queer. One mentor weaver has queer children. And the space that's being held by these weavers is safe, healing, affirmative, inspiring. Hope believes projects like Weaving Our Pride can bring positive, lasting change to the community. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
4: National Native News is produced by Kiwanek Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
5: Nobody likes a crowded highway. A crowded crib is even worse. For a safe night's sleep, use a fitted sheet only, and be sure there are no toys, blankets, or pillows around your baby. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission.
6: Ready to start, manage, or grow your small business?
0: this is native america calling i'm andy murphy sitting in for sean spruce the indigenous taino people first introduced pit barbecue to colonial explorers making their way through the caribbean islands the word barbecue comes from the taino language the original cooking style and flavors live on in restaurants and food trucks throughout the islands and up and down the east coast And regional interpretations of barbecue, both traditional and modern, grow from the ingredients and knowledge available to tribes from coast to coast. It's more than just smoke and sauce. It's about getting the most out of what's on hand. Today, we'll explore the various styles of barbecue and where they came from. You can join us too. What does barbecue look like and taste like in your native community? What are some of your favorite foods to grill in your local area. Give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us from Florida is Robert Rosa. He's the Florida representative of the United Confederation of Taino People and the president of the American Indian Movement Florida Chapter. He's Taino. Welcome to Native America calling Robert
7: Thank you. Um, Thank you for having me. Uh, Yes, uh, barbecue actually came from the word babacoa, uh, which later got translated into Spanish, barbacoa, and then barbecue into English.
0: All right. So um I mentioned a little bit in the intro about uh, barbecue having its origins in um the Taíno area of uh, you know indigenous America. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What what are some traditional foods that were um uh, barbecued? What did what did a barbecue look like?
7: Um Barbecue was different from how the Europeans cooked. Um, we cooked on what is called the bucan, which is a raised rack so that would be raised and lowered according to what we were eating um, or the need of the food per se if um we want it smoked for um, longer lasting that's you know uh, sea travel either to Florida or Gulf Coast or Yucatan or South America, we would smoke it, which the food would last longer. Um, we ate everything from manatee to um, hutia to cori, um, which is a uh, guinea pig. Hutia is a smaller version of um, chapayara. And they, um, we ate and turtle, and um, all sorts of fish. Um but we would place it on the bukan, um which is a raised rack um, which smoked the meat uh, it, or it would roast the meat, which gave it a better flavor, plus we used ahi and um different herbs on our meats, which um the europeans you know they 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 had bland food and um you know, this was like a, a killer on their taste buds. They just loved it and continued it. You know, the French, the English, they both um, took it when they colonized our areas as well.
0: All right. Yeah, fl- um uh, smoke and that char just adds so much to... um to the flavors of something and turns it into something completely different. I mean, you can have the same kind of protein and, um, you know, turn it into something magic as as opposed to maybe boiling it or uh, cooking it a different way. Um, so the the barbecue there um how, how was it different than maybe what uh uh other indigenous people were doing other um uh, indigenous people all along the coasts were doing could you kind of tell the difference between the different barbecue styles along the coasts
7: Oh yeah definitely um <clears throat> You could, um, you know, some dig a pit and um, put uh, banana leaves or or leaves in there, and um, it it comes out just as well. But it's still almost similar um, to what the Europeans um, then what the Europeans were doing. They would use, you know, a spigot, and most of the meat was basically burnt from the fire compared to how ours um, in the different indigenous cultures. Um, were made. They've done it for meats up in the plains. Um, they smoke them. Um, we had a same version. The, you know, the technique might have been a little different. Um, but then you have the Hawaiians. I believe they do a pit um, and um, roast the, the, the pigs down there, uh, which they didn't have at the time. I'm not sure what they had, actually. But it's a different style, but um, the taste is just completely different than um, how the Europeans were cooking right
0: right and and then um coming into uh you know today times <laughs> how how has a barbecue um taino barbecue changed over time and and is it still a distinct you know different type of uh, barbecue compared to um you know every other uh culture
7: um well, it didn't change much per se um you know they're they're you know just uh the variety of animals chosen that that we such as the pig the cow um the meats basically changed but the the formula is highly still the same especially in the in the mountains of puerto rico dominican republic and others they they still kind of use this method um when cooking
0: all right and are there any kind of uh like special rubs or sauces, any kind of uh, flavoring that is specifically Taino?
7: Um, well, the aji the, uh, pepper, they had them sweet as well as hot that was used a lot. Um, you know, and then they, it depends on what they put in the meat uh, as well, but salt was used as well. Um, The Caribbean being in such an ideal location for trade, we had, you know, all different spices and stuff coming from Central America, um, from uh, South America, and from the Florida Peninsula. Um, So it, it was a variety, but one that was specifically on the island was the ahi pepper um which was also uh the the hot one was also used in warfare against the Spaniards um but um that was was one of the main spices that they used besides the salt oh, all
0: right Um, I'm going to bring in another guest we have with us from uh, Middleton, Connecticut. We have um, Chris Shefzik. He is the owner of Taino Smokehouse. Welcome to Native America calling, Chris.
8: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for joining. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we've been talking about uh, Taino barbecue, um, you know, Taino smokehouse. What, what, uh, what, what can we expect to see um, at Taino smokehouse compared to other smokehouses? How is a Taino barbecue, um, you know, distinct and specific today?
8: Well, like you was saying, uh, a lot of the meats we couldn 't serve today to be true to the what Tainos were eating back then, like sea turtle manatee obviously we 're not going to serve that. I think iguana might be one of the two things that we could serve, but we are we're typical with your beef, your chicken, your pork um, and fish
0: All right, and um, how has the awareness of Taino barbecue uh, grown?
8: well, you know our, our main goal was to was to try to educate because in America, you know, Americans claim a couple cuisines. They claim barbecue and like apple pie. But when you ask Americans about the history of where, where the roots were, people like will say, oh, Texas, or they'll say Missouri. But no one really talks about Taino and the etymology of the word itself comes from this tribe, these beautiful people. And, uh, and so it's really about education and trying to say, you know, we should respect those that came before us and the roots of where all this all how this all happening you know smoking smoking across the world started as a necessity for preservation you know before refrigeration you know you smoked your meat you salted it you sun dried it you know a lot of americans use pemmican um so smoking was a necessity and it's become an art form to make things taste good
0: Right, right. I, I mean, there there are um, multiple <laughs> multiple TV shows out there that uh, you know those competition TV shows that show just how of an art form and science it is to be cooking with smoke. What was it like for uh, you guys over at Taíno Smokehouse to uh, develop uh, your technique?
8: You know, the, these days we're not open. We're not smoking over a, an open pit like mm-hmm. the old days. Um, So we have these big machines that make it a lot easier. And, you know, the the secret really is, you know, with like a, a piece of brisket, it's not really a great piece of meat. So the secret is really just low and slow. You know, you just let time break down all that connective tissue, turn it into collagen, and it becomes delicious flavor. So just low and slow is the main thing that I've learned over time is that you take it slow and you have patience.
0: Right, right, and and what do you mean by we have all these big machines?
8: Yeah, so so these days when you're opening a, a small business, um, you know you're you know the the barbecue he called barbacoa, um, you know they would use like trees or whatever that were still green so they wouldn't burn that fast. But you know that's that's a lot of labor and that takes a lot of heart and, and it's an art form. Where now is you would purchase a metal smoker from somebody or make mm-hmm. your own. So it, it, it's, it's a lot easier to reproduce day in and day out. So uh, the art form is a little bit lost in the current days as far as the commercial side of things.
0: Got it. All right. All right. We have um, Chris from Taino Smokehouse and we have uh, Robert Rosa uh, from the Confederation of Taino People over there in Florida with us today. We have more uh, to talk about when it comes to barbecue uh, after this break. You might have trouble finding the Lake Traverse Reservation if you're going by some official South Dakota maps. That's because of conflicting interpretations of Native trust land for the Sisseton, Wahpeton, Oyate, and some other tribes. We'll hear about the drive to clear up the state's understanding of reservation land on the next Native America Calling.
2: Bonjour. From round dance to the exhibition dance you always come prepared. Why not the same with your health? Schedule your wellness visits and never miss a beat. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information. Visit healthcare.gov coverage or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services.
0: You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy. We're talking about barbecue today, low and slow, or cooked fast over an open fire and flavored with smoke. How are the chefs grilling and barbecuing the traditional foods in your native community? Join us by giving us a call at 1-800-996-2848. We also have some very knowledgeable chefs on the show. You're welcome to ask them questions about barbecuing. That's also one eight hundred nine nine native. I want to bring back uh, Chris, uh, Chef Sick, uh, owner of Taíno Smokehouse. Um, Chris, how did you get interested in studying the history of uh, barbecue, specifically uh, Taíno barbecue? Um,
8: it all started where I'm from in uh, in Connecticut, and um it started with uh, a love and passion for Native American peoples. We have a, our native tribe in the area was called the Wangunk. And the Wangunk are not mentioned, they're not celebrated, and they're not taught in the schools. And it was a big thing growing up about this battle to try to educate about the land we're walking on was potentially thousands of years of people that were here that we don't even talk about them. And, and then when the decision came to open up a barbecue restaurant, and after doing all the research of like, all right, what is barbecue? Who are we? Whatever. And then I came upon Christopher Columbus's journals and I read all of them and I found out about these beautiful people down in the Caribbean who were originally from Venezuela. And, and I was like, wow, how come, we don't, how come we don't talk about this? How come we're not educated? And so for me, it became like a mission to, to spread the word amongst Americans and in the community of like, hey, you know, let's not forget about. This this beautiful thing that has happened there. So for me, it just became a it's a love and respect for those people. The word Taino, which is actually like a Spanish pronunciation, which is odd. Um, it actually meant the good ones are good people. So they they were a beautiful people. And, um, and it's, it's too bad what happened.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and, and definitely what happened to, um, you know, some of the uh, some of the food and food traditions. Um, I want to bring Robert back in. Uh, Robert is a rep from United Confederation of Taino People and with the AIM uh, Florida chapter. Uh, Robert, how was you know, how did food uh, culture and education and tradition, how did that change uh, with with colonization or you know maybe how is it maybe even used against the people
7: well um, well you know one of the parts you could read in in Columbus's journal is um, how we in, in resilience stopped them um, feeding them because you know we were very welcoming people but um, you know they with their their love for gold uh, and hatred, you know, we we just stopped feeding them. So what they did in their turn was to kill our food supply. Um, Now, you know, you can't find a kori, um, a guinea pig, you could not find um, kuti. Um, Not only that, it being endangered now, you know, that's one of the food supplies that are taken away um, currently on the island of Borinquen, which uh, they, which they call Puerto Rico, um, they've killed many of the farms. We have some beautiful young people out there now trying to bring it back. Um, we also had, um, the farming where we made cunucos, um, which is a garden with the three sisters as well. Um, and, uh, our canucos, you, you know, the corn was called um, maisi, um, the bean was called piksu. and um, the squash was ai- oyama. Now, these are indigenous words that still survive on the island as well, but um, they eradicated our, our way to be um, self-sufficient. They took our food sovereignty away, um, which also brought their livestock and way of eating, which brought obesity and um, a lot of diabetes, a lot of cancer, um, and also being lactose intolerant, you know, a lot of milk was given to our people, which, you know, isn't in our DNA to have. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it does a lot of damage on the original people. And um, even being so mixed at this point, it still doesn't do our people good because our DNA is from the original foods, which they have um, basically extinguished there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, you know, talking about, um, you know, foods being uh, extinguished, um, you know, one, one, you know, big example here is uh, the buffalo. Um, you know, I, I think at this time, I want to bring in uh, our other guest here. We have uh, from Mandan, North Dakota, we have Luke Black Elk. He is the farm director at Hohoju. He's Lakota from Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe. Welcome to Native America, Colleen Luke. Hello, thank you hey uh, so we are um, of course talking about barbecue and um, we were talking about you know foods being uh, extinguished um, you know as as a way of colonization and one you know example we have here is the the buffalo uh, but um you know I, I kind of wanted to bring you in for uh, a different kind of barbecue but can you explain sort of uh you know how um you know the 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 you know the 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 extinction or almost of the bison kind of affected what you guys in Lakota country uh, had available for you to eat and hunt,
5: oh yeah, for sure I mean uh like my brother from Florida was saying uh, it was it was a definite eradication to to stop indigenous people from surviving right they they took out the buffalo uh. Like, like, our, like my brother was saying, um, we used to pit roast buffalo. Uh, we would put them under the ground, and actually, the tradition to be to wrap them in seaweed. Uh, and even though we're one of the most landlocked tribes uh, in the country, um, we were still tr- had vast trade networks where we were getting seaweed from the coast and 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 wrapping our um, wrapping our meat in that and, and getting all that flavor. Like he was saying. Um, uh, our food had so much flavor and so much depth to it uh, that it was hard for um, uh, colonizers to handle those things. And, and, and they've changed the way that we think about food and the way that we think about our own food. Um, they took away a lot of those things, including the buffalo, um, but also uh, limited our access to a lot of other um, indigenous foods. Or, or, or they changed the name to our, of our foods from, uh, there, there are things that we would eat from the rivers uh, called, um, that we call pota- that we, the original potato, and uh, they started calling it rat potato, or you know uh, they call uh, hog peanuts, Is another food that we have that, that they take, and they change the name uh, to make it seem like it's not worthy of human consumption. Um, mm. Or they would take like they did with the buffalo and just try to eradicate the whole uh, food source And then replace it with things like beef or hog or uh, things like that Um, which are definitely things that we utilize now because we have to utilize to survive but uh, we are definitely getting back to those things Um, one of the things that uh, we would have eaten traditionally would have been small mammals uh, including things like the prairie dog which is a keystone prairie prairie species uh, but we would have taken um, the prairie dog and actually roasted the whole prairie dog uh, with its hair on and left the skin on and, and, and uh, singed the hair off and then roasted that meat afterwards and let the, let the fat uh, get into the meat, uh, which I think is a big part of barbecue, right, uh, is, is, is that, um, that meeting of, of protein, good, good, solid protein and fats, right? Um, so, so these flavors, uh, have been an indigenous, cuisine, have been in indigenous cuisine for a long, long time. Um, and so, uh, we just have to, I think we have to step back into those. And I, I there are a lot of people like, uh, my relative who's a chef, uh, who are taking those things back for us.
0: Right, including the prairie dog, but when's the last time uh maybe you had a prairie dog grill barbecued uh, prairie dog
5: <laughs> oh so so i actually uh uh it's not something that I eat regularly, but uh-huh. last year we we um took some people out who wanted to experience that and we did a we uh did a rendition of that um and it's delicious delicious meat you know it
4: just doesn't it just doesn't uh
5: um taste the way uh you think it's gonna taste, but it, it's it's so good because it has all those uh fats from the skin. Um you know, and I really think that we as Indigenous people need to move back to our traditional foods because that's uh like my brother was saying, that's what's causing a lot of the, the prob health problems in our society from heart disease and diabetes and obesity mm-hmm. uh if we get back to our traditional foods we can move past those things and get back to back, back to our natural diet
0: right right yeah you know I've seen um you know on the Navajo Nation uh that um, you know cooking um prairie dog over a fire um you know to get rid of the hair and then um you know uh, gutting it and then prepping it for uh another you know couple minutes uh, over the fire again to to finish it is is something that's traditional on uh Navajo Nation as well I've never seen it but um definitely heard of uh, you know other families you know folks in you know even in my family uh, doing um, you know doing that every now and then it's it's interesting how you um, you know, our, our views of, you know, what, what we can put over the fire and and barbecue has kind of uh, changed, um, you know, and, and just like you said, you know, we're having to, uh, you know, rethink some of these things and, and think about why, you know, we have been led to think of our foods in these ways when they were completely fine a long time ago. They were, you know, traditional a long time ago. Um, uh Luke you know what what um what uh, sort of things are you guys doing there to uh you know help maybe younger people people in the community sort of uh come back to you know understanding and appreciating some of these uh prairie foods there
5: um just getting people out on the land and reintroducing them to those flavors um and and helping them you know I think there's been a lot of brainwashing uh in in our school system and and in the way we're educated to to have us believe that our food uh wasn't what it is, what, what it wasn't what it is you know uh and and how healthy it is for us we've, we've been uh we've been taught that the only um healthy food that we can get um in in our um life would comes from comes from a store it has to come from a store it has to come from uh a you have to be a part of the capitalist system in order to to be a healthy person and when in reality um, mother earth provides for us provides everything that we need and as long as we take care of our mother earth uh, she'll take care of us you know that's that's how that relationship works with for us Um, and so if we if we can move our our people back to eating uh these healthier options uh, we will become a healthier nation overall.
0: Definitely. And, um, you know, you have to think about how, you know, how our palate has changed over time. Um, how would you, if you were going to, um, you know, prepare, uh, you know, barbecue for say a person like me, um, what would you, what what would flavor the meat? What else would be on the table?
5: um so, so there's a lot of uh, wild um, herbs out there that are that can be used to season food. Some of my favorite are things like um, goldenrod leaf, um, uh, bee balm, flower and leaf uh, wild there's so many different kinds of wild allium, different kinds of wild onions out there, and garlics that you can utilize. Um, and then there's a lot of berry flavor. Uh, so one of the things that we make, uh, and, and one of the gentlemen earlier mentioned it is called, in English, they call it pemmican, which is, I think is a um, restructuring of a Anishinaabe word. We call it wasna, which is dried meat uh, mixed with berries and fat. And it's a it's a survival food. It's what we'd send our hunters out with. But what it really is, is it's dried meat, and then you roast the meat over fire, and then you add sweetening with the berries and fat to it with uh different kinds of fat to it and i really think that that's a um, definitely a type of uh, of barbecue barbecue that 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 our people had uh and it has all those flavors in it so so i think that if i was going to um set down in front of you a piece of barbecued meat that was from my people it would have something like a choke cherry um glaze to it with some uh uh, a lot of onion flavor and a lot of bee balm flavor, which is which is kind of an oregano flavor in there, and and salt, uh, of course.
0: Nice. Nice. All right. Well, you can expect me up there. i just kidding. Uh, um, you know, you mentioned seaweed, um, and I uh, am very curious about that uh, wrapping bison in seaweed. But what, what does that flavor? You know, did it add like a salty flavor, or what, what? What kind of flavor did it add to the to the meat? Have you Have you tried it?
5: It de- It definitely uh, definitely adds a salty flavor. Mm. Um, You know, you get a bit of the ocean flavor in there, and I think that that's uh, something that our people uh, craved, was that salt. Because, you know, again, I'm from a Plains tribe. We're very landlocked. We don't have a lot of sources of salt, but we were trading for salt with the people around this great salt lake. And we were trading for seaweed uh, with the um, Nez Perce people who were trading with their Salish cousins along the West Coast. Um, But, you know, not only does it add uh, flavor, but it adds a lot of health benefits. And I think that that's uh, something that um, really goes along with a lot of indigenous cuisine is that a lot of uh, indigenous cuisine and not just indigenous to the United States or South America or Central America, but indigenous across the world. uh, When you look at the flavorings that they put in their food, a lot of it has medicinal value. Um, And so when... um, when you're adding these various flavors to these meats, you're also adding uh, healing and uh, healing herbs to them, which are going in. You know, where uh, you know the 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 saying uh, "You are what you eat," right? Uh, is really a great uh, way of looking at indigenous cuisine. Is that when we're when we're preparing food, it's not just food that feeds the body; it it feeds the spirit, it feeds uh, it feeds the mind, and it feeds the heart. You know
0: right right definitely um, we are talking about barbecue today indigenous barbecue and how it's changed over time and how it looks different in uh, different regions among different tribes uh, you can join us we are at one 800 2848 that's also 1-800-99-NATIVE what kind of uh, traditional foods did your tribe and uh, native community uh, put over a fire what kind of Foods did they smoke? Again, that's one 996 nine six-2848.
6: Support for this program provided by Vision Maker Media, who envisions a world changed and healed by understanding native stories and the public conversations they generate, nurturing the next generation of storytellers with courage, generosity creativity, respect, and commitment. 45-plus years of Native stories and Indigenous knowledge through film and media can be found at visionmakermedia.org, whose slogan is, Together We Are Vision Makers.
0: Thank you for listening. This is Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy sitting in for Sean Spruce. We're focusing on barbecue today and there's still time to join our conversation. How does cooking outside over an open flame or hot coals add flavor and texture to the traditional foods from your tribe? There's still time to join. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us from Augusta, Georgia, is Dave Smoke McCleskey. He is a chef and owner of the Corn Mafia. He's Mohawk. Welcome back to Native America calling, Dave.
4: Hello, everybody. Hi, Andy.
0: Hi. Uh, so we are, uh, of course, talking about barbecue, um, and I think one of the main things here is like the flavor of smoke. Um, how how important across the board is uh, is smoke?
4: I think that that uh, smoke is almost a ubiquitous part of uh, Native American cooking uh, because we all cooked over open fires, or uh, for the most part, so. That smoke, whether it's uh, a slowly smoldering fire that's that's cooking our fish, say over racks, um, and, and, and smoking our fish for for later storage and for you know immediate eating as well, but um, it's really hard to separate, I think, smoke from uh, our, our traditional native foodways uh, with things that were cooked, if you will. So. Um, my, my corn, as you know, has a, you know, part of the drying process, it, it gets a little bit of fire roasting. So it takes on a little bit of smoky flavor and it, it really, uh, changed the thought of how corn was used for me, at least when I first started doing it this way is that in our longhouses traditionally things would uh, hang in our rafters and our longhouses houses uh, were very smoky affairs. It was almost like living in a smokehouse. Uh, so a lot of our foods that were in there, and probably ourselves, uh, our, our ancestors smelled very smoky all the time.
0: <laughs> uh, cause
4: it a very, very great ventilation for such a large place. So um, as, as our corn, as our, as our dried meats hung up there in baskets and stuff, um, they took on even more of that subtle smoky flavor coming from our central fires. Yeah. So uh, I think even our food that we're going to eat in an immediate fashion, um, I, you know, I was just sitting there thinking as I was listening to the guys talking. Uh, uh, we did it, uh, Virginia Tech recently, we, we did a very traditional mohawk uh, dish called fish mush. Um, so it's basically fish and grits, if you will. Um, this particular one is we, we put trout that we'd caught in the stream uh, after it got seasoned, and we put it in, this, in the pit, if you will. So we kind of cook in a, in a traditional pit there. And, uh, you know, we, 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 feed, we feed embers underneath it and, and, and kind of it cooks from the bottom, you know, slowly. Um, the, the, uh, so, the, so the fish was smoky. Um, we took uh, watercress from, uh, from the same stream where the, where the fish was caught, uh, a little bit of ramps, and uh, mixed all of that stuff together to kind of put it over the top of uh, freshly cooked hominy grits. Or how, nice. how many mushes we'd like to say. So, uh, you know, to me, that's that's barbecue, um, as well as just, say, smoked meats on a, on a sandwich. I, I live here in the South, so I'm very much in tune with barbecue. I've got a lot of friends that have, that have won many championships around the country, right. uh, uh, touring on teams and stuff, and we've cooked in other fashions. so. Uh, together, so I, I kind of get spoiled uh, w- with the whole concept of barbecue. People ask me where I'm going to eat. And I'm like, well, oh, I I don't know. I get kind of ruined by, <laughs> by by eating with a lot of people, not at restaurants. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but that 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 whole long and slow concept uh, translates into most of our foods. From beans by the fireside, you know, you say barbecue beans. Well, barbecue and beans have been together for you know, ages uh, because we would cook those. In the same fire or or next to a wood fire, and let them simmer long and slow, and they kind of take on that smoking so
0: yeah, um, when I
4: see baked beans and barbecue here in the south, I kind of get a little bit of a chuckle because because that's our food as I say yeah. so um, <laughs> it, it, it it it's hard to 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 separate uh, natives from barbecue because we, we we really or or what's known as barbecue because we we were all cooking over wood. Be it the Arawak folks on the islands or, or, or folks here, um, everybody was cooking over oak or different oaks and, and using a lot of different ingredients. I, I've, I've taken to using ramps and, and uh, spicebush berries right. uh, translates super well to cooking like like game birds, like duck or turkey or things like that over over smoke. Um and they're all right, right there in the woods here, uh, particularly in the Appalachian area.
0: Yeah. So, um, one one uh, you know thing that comes up uh, is uh, you know how important also um, you know barbecue as as we think of it today is um, you know a staple in African American uh, cooking. How did that sort of intersection um, happen or? or you know, how did that uh, come to be? You know, such a important you know pillar in African American food.
4: Well, uh, particularly here in the Southeast, African American folks were were relied upon uh, when they were enslaved to do the cooking. Um, so there's a there's a lot of food here in the Southeast that are that are hugely in, in, influenced by African culture and and the way things were cooked. Um, and some of the things that that the uh, let's say slave owners or the owners of the plantations would, would leave for the slaves and the farmhands would be things like ribs, um, and, and, and pork knuckles and things like that, neck bones and things that were just the stuff that they didn't really care about eating. So a lot of that stuff translates into Southern food and, and thusly into barbecue, uh, cause to make ribs kind of palatable, they really need that, that, uh, long and slow treatment. It breaks down a lot of that, that, the tendons and just the toughness that are there in the meat. So um, it's just a great way to cook things. And um, I'd like to say a lot of the, I'm not going to say all, but I'm going to say, let's say the wealthy uh, Southern land o- owners weren't your most uh, uh, hardworking folks. So uh, a lot of this stuff was was left to black folks to cook even beyond slavery. So, uh, they've, they've, they've carried on that tradition, uh, particularly with whole hog cooking and, and, and cooking up like lar- larger cuts. So, um, I've, I've got a lot of African-American friends that that, that still cook, cook barbecue. And it's, it's, it's a huge tradition because it was part of their culture from here, uh, from, from kind of that, let's say the 16, 19, 19 date, if we want to grab that, uh, a lot of that stuff translated pretty well. And, and, uh, uh, it's tough to kind of break down, I think, uh, as barbecue as it is today, uh, any one culture that, that owes, uh, you know, that, that, that really gets all of the credit for it. Um, it's kind of an argument amongst a lot of folks as, as we sit around other, other fires cooking different foods. But we talk about the barbecue a little bit. You know, the African-American community has played a huge role in uh, the shaping of southern barbecue. Um but you know, nowadays it's it's a lot of uh, European Americans that are in the front front uh, of, of, of pushing what people know as barbecue here in the country. So, um, right. it's interesting. So it's 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 not just one one of the European cultures. It's it's many here in South Carolina. We have five different barbecue sauces, and they're all they all kind of come from the different communities that that were around the state. So, mm-hmm. the Germans brought mustard in, into our barbecue here. Um, vinegar and peppers, um, kind of an, a, a, an interesting thing. A little bit of vinegar and pepper on the meat could be native because of uh, vinegar and pepper. Peppers are native to the Americans. So um, adding that to traditional barbecue in South Carolina is is like whole hog barbecue. Uh, it's seasoned with just that vinegar and hot pepper, if you will, a little bit of salt, right.
7: um,
4: which is what you really judge a pit master buy is, is how their pork is off of the off of the smoker. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's pretty interesting to me. I don't usually eat barbecue sauces. So when people ask, ask for barbecue sauces, I'm like, Oh, I've been kind of spoiled because I eat stuff right off the pit. (laughs) And it's just got a little bit of vinegar kind of cuts, cuts the unctuousness of the fat that, um, was prized in native American cooking. I I think that's why folks have taken to hogs so much is that fat, fat wasn't something that we had in our diets or or a lot of. So, uh, fat fat was that, that richness that kinda of coats your mouth. That vinegar helps to cut that. Right. Um, and I would think with some of the other animals, like like deer fat isn't such a great thing. It'sn't so great tasting, but I think a little bit of vinegar might might cut that assertiveness of the fat. So nice. uh, and some things like if you're gonna cook raccoon or, or, or say possum or something like that, that are very fatty animals, you need something in there to kind of cut cut that fat. Cut awesome. that r- richness out of there. Or beaver. Um, we've barbecued beaver. Uh, we barbecued beaver a few years ago, and uh, we made tamales with it. And then we stuck those in the in a pot in in the fire as well to cook them. Um, oh, nice. <clears throat> I would call that barbecue. So there's a lot of things <laughs> that I consider to just be things that like you can't really separate because barbecue is part of the technique of the whole final dish. So right. um, sometimes tamales, I might con- consider that. I might consider uh, Navajo kneel-down bread to be a kind of a barbecue item, if you will.
0: Well, yeah, kind of. Slow low in the pit. low and covered. slow in the pit. <laughs> it's,
4: uh, <laughs> it's just really good when they come out of the ground.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. Uh,
4: um, you, you know, but, these are things that most people would go, what? You know, kneel down bread is barbecue. Yeah, I would completely consider that that to be that. So.
0: Yeah, um, it takes on a little bit of that uh, smoke from the coals up top and. Uh, you know, low and slow on the bottom. Um, thanks so much for that, uh, Dave. I'm going to go over to our other guest here. We have in uh, joining us from Minnesota is James Anderson. He's the owner of Old Southern Barbecue and a motivational speaker. He's Lakota Ojibwe. Welcome back to Native America calling, James. you. Thanks for
9: having me. Miigwech
0: yeah so you you know we're talking about barbecue and we just kind of came up to um you know barbecue as we kind of know it today uh your restaurant and your family's legacy is built around what um you know we would consider southern barbecue how would you describe it and how does it relate to you know the origins of uh barbecue
9: well my my dad used to say so back back um Back in the day, we'd he'd be we made our first smoker out of a garbage can in our in our backyard, and he would say smoking's in our blood, which is true. I mean, whether it, <laughs> uh, whether I'd be fishing with my my uncle, um, and we'd we'd make that fish over the fire or um, rabbit, venison, whatever it is, Ojibwe uh, style meats. Uh, everything was done, to open fire, and that just kind of uh, that's that's been <laughs> with my family for as long as I can remember. Uh, my 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 family, my grandma uh, used to say it takes all kinds to uh, be in a community. And I feel like my my roots, my family roots, uh, I'm also part Choctaw, my people were business people, and we cooked. <laughs> so, that's that's just in in our blood. And uh, so we own restaurants today, and old Southern barbecue is something I'm very proud of, as well as uh, famous Daves, very proud of uh, the work that we do because it's about when you're feeding the community, it's about nourishing people and making people happy. We gather around, we have our feasts, we have our celebrations. And I think that's what makes uh, barbecue. Uh, something wonderful is because it happened around the celebrations. Yes, we had it for just every day you have to eat, but it's also celebration. You bring out your, your you bring out your big uh, big your best meat for uh, something great that happened, a homecoming, a uh, um, something great happened in the community, and that's how we believe it. And anytime somebody spends their hard-earned money they come into our restaurant we want to make sure they have an amazing meal and I don't, I don't and i believe especially after all your guests just the history of smoking meat there's no there's it's it's truly fine dining
0: Right. Right. You know, taking care of uh, a cut of meat for hours and hours and and, um, you know, learning when to add certain um, ingredients um, is is really definitely a science and an art. you know, you were just mentioning your family. Uh, you know, famous Dave, uh, Dave Anderson, uh, is um, your your father there? Um, how did um, you know? How would you? Uh, I mean, want well, to ask this: Is there an education process, I guess, for uh, the public about uh, connecting with uh, barbecues' roots?
9: Uh, when it c- comes to the education, I think uh, honestly. If you were to go to any smokehouse um, in your area and talk to the men and women who are running the pit, no matter what culture you're going to come from, you're going to get a you're going to get knowledge and and thoughts and ideas because once again, this is not just working with food. This is a passion, and people like to talk about it. It's an art, and people like to talk about their art. So. The men and women we have in our restaurant, if you were to talk to them about it, they have no problem talking about it and sharing ideas, sharing thoughts, because it's, it's, it's like jazz. It's creative. It's alive, and it, there's no wrong way to do it, as your previous guest was talking about Beaver and doing different foods and testing different things out. The key is just to do it uh, with that open fire or in, in a pit, smoking for hours, and giving a shot you can go to the National Barbecue Association and get all the knowledge you want yet i kind of look at it as there's there's knowledge i can learn about my anishinaabe culture from a book too yet uh, walking with my aunties and uncles in the woods you get a whole new sense of what the culture is as they're talking to you and sharing education it's it's something that you Barbecue is something that you need to just get in there, experience, make some mistakes, and, <laughs> and just have fun with it. It's art.
0: Right. And I think even the mistakes are pretty tasty. Um, uh, one last thing before we wrap it up. We're wrapping it up just now. If uh, somebody were to go and, uh, you know, do barbecue for the first time maybe this weekend, what kind of meat, what kind of meat would you suggest?
9: Oh, I would definitely uh, go chicken or, or ribs. Um, it's something that's a slower smoke, and uh, you just got to get it up to the, that uh, right temp, and you're ready to go. You can test out some seasonings. The big cuts of meat take hours and hours and hours. If you do have that time, I would truly recommend to all the people you get a, uh, a pork shoulder a pork uh, we call it a pork butt or a Boston butt in the industry mm-hmm. it's a very forgiving piece of meat you can smoke it for I would recommend 10 to 12 14 hours and uh, uh, season it up real good with whatever you want to t- test out but you really can't go wrong with a pork butt chicken is also a great and uh, 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 great if you want to do a shorter smoke about three uh, three hours
0: All right all right that is all the time we have for our juicy conversation today i'm andy murphy we'll be back tomorrow uh, talking about south dakota maps and where are the reservations
5: did you know that there could be a silent killer inside your home you may know it carbon monoxide it's a poisonous gas that can't be seen or smelled yet it can kill a family in a matter of minutes You can protect yours by installing carbon monoxide alarms throughout your home. Find more on the dangers of carbon monoxide and additional safety information at cpsc.gov. Support by the U.S. Consumer
6: Product Safety Commission. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium. The collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org.